Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Blog Talk Radio. Right into this world, all alone. God takes your soul, you're on your own. The crow flies straight, the perfect line. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Weigh In Sports Talk. I'm your host, Brian Tarvin. Joined tonight with co-host Jonathan Miklos. It's been a long time since since we've spoken, but glad to have him back tonight on the show to talk some college football, NFL football, some NBA draft, everything going on. You know, I'm so glad to have a place where I can come and talk sports because you look on the internet, you look on Facebook, all you all you see is Confederate flags, racism, homosexuals being married. I mean, I want to talk sports. The rest of that garbage can go somewhere else, and then I'll ask Jonathan in a minute what he thinks about it too. You know, just you know, it's about sports talk right now. This other stuff that's going on. I'm not an expert at because, you know, the main thing is I don't care. I'm not an expert in sports, but I know what I'm talking about more. But, you know, let let all these people do what they want to do as long as it doesn't affect me. I could care less. And, and Jonathan, I'm sure maybe you you feel the same way, I'm guessing. Yeah, I, I really do. Thanks for having me on, Brian. Um, yes, sir. You know, I – I, I lived in Key West four years, so we learned, you know, you don't ask questions. Don't throw yourself in each other's face. So when it comes to everything that's going on right now, I'd like to sit back. All I really, really want to talk about is sports. It, it's the one thing that I think keeps this country together and sane at times. It is. One thing, you know, I mean, the bottom line is there's going to be sports every day coming up. I live I let the people that like chaos in their lives and like to debate people. Those are topics you really can't debate because you, you can't change people's minds. All you can do is live your life to, the, to its fullest for you. You answer to God. You answer yourself, whoever. You know, that's what you do. You don't. I don't care about what other people do. It's just I never have, never will probably, as long as it doesn't affect me. But, but Jonathan, it's, it's been a while since we've, We've been consistent with the show. I don't know if you've noticed that. We've been on and off a lot going on in personal lives, but I'm glad to be back rocking and rolling here. But, you know, July is right around the corner this week, and and usually July is when I start getting that fever for for college and NFL football. What about you? Oh, yeah, I've definitely got the itch right now. Um, I've already been scooping up the the magazines, taking a look at who, what everybody's saying, and, you see all the buzz is starting to pick back up with college football. This guy, you know, is doing this, and the depth charts are starting to get released. I mean, I'm I'm ready, man. It, 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 every year we say the same thing. It's been way too long. 
And I want to talk about some point spreads with you tonight. I know three people in Vegas collect their minds together, and they just put together about 200 point spreads. I think they missed a lot of them. I'm sure you do, too. Uh, I just wish they would let me bet on those lines that I see right now, but I don't think we're able to go out and put too much money on some of these future point spreads for games. But I think you can bet on who's going to win the national title. We'll talk about that tonight. But let's start first with the NBA, get it out of the way I don't know how much you watched the NBA draft, how much you cared about the NBA draft. Tell me your thoughts, really, about the first round. Like, give me your biggest surprise. Give me the team that that just blew it, and give me the best pick of the draft. Oh, and this is going to sound, you know, everybody's going to be like, oh, really? But I think the Lakers actually had the best selection of of the first round in D'Angelo Russell. Um, I know there was a lot of people, especially out in Los Angeles, pining for Joe Okafor, and there's no doubt he, he's an excellent player. But the Lakers right now have Julius Randle playing the four. They need somebody else down low that can provide that physical defensive presence that Randle doesn't provide. You know, and they needed they need a guy who can run the show in Russell, somebody who's going to learn from Kobe and move on from there. Uh, one of my big surprises was uh, Orlando snagging Mario, cannot pronounce his last name, um, but the, the <laughs> small forward, um, his agent was hired uh, by the Detroit Pistons, so I almost I was thinking he was going to wind up getting shoved in, into the Pistons, uh, especially since he had a need there and there was mutual, you know, interest between the two. Uh, so the Magic going up and snagging him, that surprised me. Um you know, he fits a role in the team, obviously. And my, my, my dumb pick of the night, you know, and we say it every year, but at Philadelphia, what are you doing? <laughs> I mean, really, what are you doing? I get it. And Bede had another setback in his rehab process, which, not for nothing, but maybe taking him number three overall. We've seen big men with foot injuries, how that, once that happens, their careers just spiral out. It happened to Yao Ming, unfortunately. Greg Odom was dealing with the whole leg issues. Their careers just spiraled. That's the unfortunate reality. So you take Okafor, you have no will. I think tearing them together could be a really good combination. The fact that they're both centers. Neither one of them can really lead the paint. So, you know, you're going to have spacing problems, and you're going to have to figure out a rotation. And if Embiid comes back healthy, you're going to try and rotate three guys in there. It's going to be a mess. So I, I don't know what Philly's doing. You know, I, I originally I was on board with their GM doing the whole, we'll take the best player available and we'll stockpile and we're rebuilding. But now I just think he's almost treating this like it's a fantasy league and he's having a little too much fun with it. Yeah, I, I'm with you with Russell, I think. And, and here's something crazy. The Lakers are looking at the trading Russell uh, to Sacramento for Cousins. I don't know if I would I would want to do that right now. You, you get a, a player of this talent. And Russell, they can kind of lead your team. Kobe's not going to be around much longer. You really have to look at it without Kobe, everything. I want this kid Russell on my team, and I hope they keep him. I like that pick. I like Towns going to Minnesota. I just think he's a he's a real good outside player, too, Jonathan. A lot of people don't know that about Towns. He, he was an outside player in high school. He came in college. He, he could play a lot down low as power game. Probably, to me, he's the best player, him and Russell both. Uh, Okafor, I don't know about 
I don't know about that pick. I don't think he has the toughness. But one thing that surprised me was Kaminsky, Frank Kaminsky going ninth to Charlotte. I mean, is that really Charlotte's answer, Jonathan, is to get Kaminsky? I just don't see him being really a, a big-time NBA player. And If you're trying to draft in the first round, if you're Charlotte, you need someone that can come in and, and be a game-changer. What do you think about Kaminsky? I'm a big supporter of Frank the Tank. I was in college. I thought he was an excellent player. Um, you know, a lot of NBA stat heads will say, well, he's 23. You missed out on a couple of his best years. I don't really look into that kind of a thing. Age doesn't bother me because he still, he, he really hasn't entered his physical prime. And NBA-wise, he hasn't entered his prime. I mean, we've seen it. It's your Michaels and your LeBrons. They need a couple of years to get their feet wet before they become superstars. So I, I think for Charlotte, it was an, a pick that intrigued me. But the problem is they don't really, if they if they're not able to retain Bismack Biombo, they don't have a defensive presence down low. That's going to be a problem. And then trading out Noah Vonleh a year after you took him in the same spot, um, that was that was definitely a move that made me wonder. I mean, Kaminsky often lost of firepower. Yes. And that's something that Charlotte desperately needed last year. But I think it might have been a little bit of a reach, especially considering Boston offered them six draft picks, including multiple first-round picks, to move up to that spot to take Justice Winslow. So, I mean, I guess when Michael loves a player, he loves a player. But as we've seen, Michael's not exactly the best evaluator of talent. Exactly. And I I love the Winslow pick for the Miami Heat. That kid. Phenomenal. I mean, that was you, – you would want to trade up to get a kid like Winslow. My, my question to Charlotte is, why not get him right there? He was available. I just scratch my head sometimes and and wonder what, what these guys are thinking. But Utah taking Trey Lyles from Kentucky, I just think that was a big reach. I just – I didn't see that coming. I also thought Booker would go a little higher. And what was Boston doing taking Terry Rozier from Louisville? I mean, God, Jonathan, maybe I'm wrong, but that that just looks terrible to me. Yeah, that Terry Rozier pick, I, I, you already have Marcus Smart. You already have Isaiah Thomas. So what do you need Rozier for? I mean, unless you think you can run that three-man rotation. But we saw in Phoenix how that doesn't exactly work because point guards typically are A-type personalities. That's why they're point guards. That's your floor general. That's your leader. So it's going to be tough trying to rotate those three between the two spots. Um, I mean, Winslow to Miami was huge. I actually was hoping Orlando would get him. Um, I thought they they would definitely want and need him. And Winslow's the kind of player that if he can if he can go ahead and maintain a good percentage from three point, you know, he's a DN three guy, and that's very common. That's very wanted and sought after in this league now. Is your DN three guy? So it's going to be interesting to see you know, how many teams are going to regret passing on him to take who they did. Um, I mean, because like you said, that Rozier pick, that that really stunned me <laughs> on Boston's perspective, man. <laughs> it did. Sam Decker for Wisconsin going that high. Kind of surprised me just a little bit. But I'll tell you who made out good. The Chicago Bulls at 22, Jonathan, getting Bobby Portis of Arkansas. This kid – is a true power forward. He can, I mean, he can play. I mean, are you surprised Bobby Portis failed this this far, really? I am, because I love watching Bobby Portis play at Arkansas. He was clearly the best player in the court almost every time he stepped out there. And he showed it night in, night out. The numbers backed him up. 
Chicago got a huge steal on Bobby Portis. He's going to fit in well with that organization. And the great thing is he's going to mesh well next to a Tyus Gibson or a Joe Kim Noah because they're both more inside defensive guys. Bobby can step out and hit those 18-footers. You know, he, he's definitely somebody who can really step out. Learning from Kyle Gasol is going to be huge for him. It really is. I think that was an excellent pick. And then you go on down to 32, Montrez Harrell going to Houston. I really like that. That kid can play. He's a he's a force. He can play defense. He can – anytime you have someone down low that can can interrupt shots, disrupt these players, that's what you look for. I don't really – put too much stock in a true center, but, man, I like that pick, having him down there on the defensive side of the ball, because if you look at Houston, they can score. They have the things in place to score, but having him as a defensive presence, and he can score, too. Don't get me wrong. He's not a he's not a, a scrub or anything. Don't get me wrong, but I just looked at it. Tyus Jones going to Cleveland right there, What do you, and then he was traded to Minnesota, right? Yeah, he was, and I thought that was an interesting trade. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of interesting trades, and Atlanta was involved in some. But overall, the NBA draft, you know, it is what it is. Willie Cauley-Stein, what did you think about him going at six to Sacramento? I thought that was a good fit for the Kings. If Sacramento, as much of a mess as that organization is right now, or at least it is in the media, we really don't know what's going on behind the closed doors. Um, if they keep DeMarcus Cousins, putting Collie Stein next to him is going to be phenomenal. That allows Cousins to not use as much of the energy on defense. It allows Collie Stein to really control that paint on the defensive end, and then Cousins can do as he pleases offensively. And Collie Stein, Cousins is going to be a great, great person to learn from as far as an offensive game and improving that. I mean, I, I thought that was an excellent, excellent pick. I mean, Larry Bird's a huge fan of him, and we've seen Larry Bird's excellent track record at picking players. Yep. And, and you, people forget about these guys. It's like it's not like right now. What the what can they do? It's you see a lot of these guys are underclassmen that get drafted. How much weight they're going to put on? They're going to fill out. They're going to get smarter. You know, I hate freshmen coming out, but but it's good. I mean, if they can get a paycheck, let them. But can you imagine a few of these guys that we talked about tonight? What they're going to look like in three to five years once they filled out? They 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 have the strength of a young man instead of a kid. You know, it's it's a big difference. And I think this was a great draft, probably one of the best drafts I've seen in a long time. What do you think? I, I agree. I think this draft had very good depth to it. I think there were more solid picks in this draft by teams, almost like some of the teams that said, you know what, let's, let's actually make some more educated picks here tonight. Um, I mean, it, I'm just I'm thoroughly impressed by how most of these teams performed. I thought Houston had a great draft. Decker is just a younger version of Parsons at this point. Like you said, Montrez Harrell, as long as he can control his emotions, will be an excellent fit for them. You know, I, I mean, the talent up and down, amazing, but I agree. I wish some of these one-and-dones would be more two-and-dones. That way they physically mature a little more and also mature their game a little more because a lot of them don't, you know, they don't have enough time to actually perfect their craft when they're in college. Yeah, it's just so much difference between a 25-year-old man, 23 to 25-year-old man, than a 19-year-old kid. I, I think, I mean, it's just a very deep draft right here, like you said. I really I really think this class, that we look back on it, we're going to say, wow, there's some great talent coming, coming out of it. So, you know, I love college basketball just like you do. NBA, I'm starting to become a bigger fan. 
than I used to be as well. So LeBron James today opted out of his contract. He's a free agent. That's not a surprise. He's he's not going anywhere but Cleveland, right? Yeah, LeBron's not going to go anywhere. Um, I know there's a lot of people who want to start playing conspiracy theorists and saying, well, LeBron could go here, LeBron could go there. He's not leaving Cleveland. He's not going to kill his, his, his image a second time. Um, <laughs> this is just a pure business decision at its finest, just like Kevin Love opting out. Because it came out today that he's not going anywhere. He's going to re-up with Cleveland as well. See, I'm surprised about that. I'm, I'm surprised Love's going to stay. It just looks like LeBron, nobody wants him there. He didn't contribute in the playoffs with his injury. And I, and then really what it, the message it sent to me was the love, hey, we can win with you or without you. Sure, we'd like to have you, but you're not that valuable. So if he opts out, could he could he take less money than what he was really wanting? I, I don't think he's going to take less money. Um, and, and that's why this whole opting out thing by Love and LeBron kind of confuses me because the salary cap bump's not going to happen yet. So you're opting out for a new contract that really you can't take advantage of. You're going to take less money your first year anyways to get that bump. You know, it, it's definitely something that's making me scratch my head. Why not just play it out and go from there? Um, Love could leave. And Love's in a Chris Bosh situation where Bosh, the only reason he stayed in Miami was because LeBron left. If LeBron had stayed in Miami, Bosh would have left. Nobody likes being the third wheel. Nobody wants to be the third superstar. You saw it in Chicago. They ran through a gauntlet of big men with Will Purdue, Horace Grant, Dennis Rodman. You know, they couldn't keep one in at the whole time because nobody likes being that third star. They want to move on and be number two, number one. You know, they, they number three doesn't get any level of respect. People focus more on their fault. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, the NBA season's over. When does it start back? Does it start back in November or is it October? Uh, I want to say preseason kicks around early October. I want to say the season starts around Halloween every year. Well, that's a long season if you think about it. I mean, well, we're going to be in football season before long, and then the NBA is going to be back. So, uh, well, we'll see. I'm starting to like it, Jonathan. I used to hate the NBA, to be honest with you. But do you enjoy it? I mean, I'm an, I'm an 80s, 90s kind of guy when it comes to the NBA. That's what That's the era I grew up in watching it. I just like the tough basketball, but it's it's okay to watch now. It's better than nothing, right? It's better than nothing. I still have a hard time watching it because I see more hero ball and more of a simplistic pick-and-roll, pick-and-roll, pick-and-roll offense. Um, where in college, you know, you have a Wisconsin, the whole swing offense, and you actually have whole systems and actual plays being ran. Um, I, NBA ball, I mean, I can tune into it. And the, the whistles, though, they – the, the the things they call fouls nowadays blows my mind. I, I mean, if, if I had been blessed with this talent, I couldn't have played basketball. There's just no way. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't either. Well, man, let's move on to something we like to talk about and I've been itching to talk about. College football, Jonathan, is back. You're right. They're starting the depth charts. are getting, you know, set. Kids are coming in already. They're They're getting the summer workouts. They're getting ready for the fall. And guess what magazine I bought today? Which one? Feel Steel. Uh-oh. I don't know if you like that one or not. I just I got it. It's twelve ninety nine. I mean, isn't that a little expensive for a magazine? 
seems like the price of everything is going up nowadays. I mean, <laughs> I'm surprised he isn't trying to charge 25 bucks since he's a self-claimed expert of experts. Yeah, I've read all these experts, and trust me, none of them are experts. It's funny what they they only remember what they they actually were close to getting right. They don't talk about all the things they screwed up and missed. So that's what I like about them. But you know, some early spreads. Well, I know you and I like a point spread thing, and Alabama has been favored in sixty eight games straight. That's what they're ending the season in. So my question to you: Will that change this year? Will they will they increase it to at least eighty, you know, eighty one, whatever it's going to be, or do you think they're going to be underdog? Because I think Vegas has them an underdog against Georgia. I believe that'd be the game they'd be an underdog in. Uh, what do you think? Looking at it, you know, I think honestly, but seeing Bama's schedule and looking at it. And knowing how the SEC, you know, thinking, at least believing how I believe the SEC is going to shape up this year. Um, I, I, You know, until we get to the Iron Bowl, I don't think Bama should be an underdog. Uh, you know, they're going to have Coker, who has a strong chance of starting this year. They still have Cornwell uh, at camp, so they're battling it out. Um, you know, Georgia is possibly going to start Grayson Lambert, who couldn't hack it at Virginia. You know, that that tells me a lot right there. So, looking at it, I don't think Bama, until we get to the Iron Bowl, should be considered an underdog. And when we get to the Iron Bowl, it really just depends on how Auburn's season shapes out. I believe Auburn could have an excellent season this year. I believe they could be the favorite going into that game. Yeah, there's a couple. Uh, I want to talk about Auburn in a minute, too. We'll go over some of their games. But I think some early line had Arkansas favored six and a half over Auburn. I, I looked at everything I owned on that game. If you gave me Auburn in a touchdown uh, against Arkansas, I don't know about you, but I would lick my chops in another game that, that Auburn's an underdog in at LSU, Saturday, September 19th, a day game. I just don't see that. And maybe I'm wrong, but they haven't won there in a long time. I get that. But I just, I look at LSU, Jonathan, and, and that's a team that I really don't I don't know much about. I know their quarterback play, one of them, the starter's arrested. He's probably not going to be able to play. But, I mean, they didn't look good at quarterback last year. And I remember playing Auburn, it was like 41-7. to I remember Arkansas just drilling LSU, I believe. So what do you think about LSU this year getting the respect of a four-point favorite over Auburn? That honestly looking at that, that's so that's Death Valley playing in because unlike the NFL in college, they'll they'll work with spread depending on the home field who they're actually playing at. It'll be more of a seven point favorite for places like LSU, Alabama, Auburn, Florida State. Uh, so I, I think that's more of them sitting there going, well, it's Death Valley, Auburn for struggle, Auburn struggled at Death Valley historically, so there's that. LSU needs to figure out what they got going on behind their doors before people start anointing them anything. I mean, you got four players arrested this week. Uh, you know, that's that's really not a good beginning to you know your new season, if you will. You know, they really need to figure out who's actually going to play quarterback. Like you said last year, their quarterback play was atrocious, and it has been really since Jamarcus Russell. So, what, what do you you know what is LSU actually going to be able to provide other than Leonard Fournette? I know they have good talent, but their recruiting classes, if you've noticed over the past few years, they're not the same. They're not as deep. They're not as 
filled with just these studs that they they've had in the past. So we'll we'll check we'll go in depth with these teams, you know, you know, at a later time. But LSU, Mississippi State, right now those are teams in the West. I, I just don't know much about. Let's go through a couple of these early lines and and see what we think. Alabama ten over Wisconsin in Arlington. I think that's just a little high, Jonathan. I think without a proven quarterback right now, losing about all your starters on offense, this Wisconsin team, they can score some points. They can run the ball. And their defense is a question, but I think the first game of the season, 10, could be a little high for that game. Yeah, you know, that's tough because, like you said, you know, Alabama doesn't have a established startup quarterback. And, you know, they've been losing a lot of talent to the draft. And, I mean, yeah, old Wisconsin lost Melvin Gordon. They lost a couple of starters along the offensive line. But they always seem to have another running back right line. They always seem to have new linemen right back in line. I think it's going to be a great game because that's their styles and all honestly, you know, are, are very similar to each other. Uh, it's just going to be, can Alabama actually maul Wisconsin's defense? And I don't know if they're going to be, going to be able to. So 10 points does seem high. Yeah, but Wisconsin's a team that likes to run the ball and they run it vertically. You know, they run between the tackles and I think that's going to be Alabama's strength this year. Alabama's weakness is when you can run outside on them. I think that's where they struggle, and I don't know if Wisconsin will be able to do that, and I don't think Wisconsin can throw the ball enough to, to keep them honest with the running game. So, I don't know. It's, it's early. That's why it's June right now, and it's September is a long way off. But, um, you know, looking at Monday, Labor Day game, Ohio State 16-point favorite over Virginia Tech. In, in at Virginia Tech, I think that's a little high. I think Virginia Tech maybe possibly can have their number a little bit. That Beamer coach, Foster, the way he coaches defense, I'll take the 16 in Virginia Tech right now if you'd give it to me. So will I. Now, here's going to be my main point about Ohio State this year. Ohio State this year is going to be Florida State last year. And what I mean by that is, their lines are going to be so overinflated that you're going to make more money betting against them. Ohio State may, might go undefeated, just like Florida State did until we got to the playoffs. I, I'm not going to argue that. But at the end of the day, you're going to see lines that are 25, 26 points over teams that last year were more in the 7 to 14 range. And those other teams they played have gotten better. You know, Penn State's gotten better. Michigan might even improve. You know, it's going to be very interesting. I, I take the 16 all day right now against Ohio State, especially <laughs> on the road in Blacksburg. I totally, totally agree. And a game I'm looking forward to September 12th, uh, there's a couple actually. Oregon at Michigan State. Can Michigan State get some revenge? Can the Big Ten Conference get some of their swagger back? Oregon comes in a one-point underdog in this game to Michigan State. But it's real hard for me to, to bet against Oregon. I like to take teams that can score a lot of points. And even with a new quarterback, I think it's a system they run. I think they'll be able to come to the East Coast over here and get a win, or the Midwest and get a win, don't you? Or the Mid, what am I saying, Midwest? But, uh, but I, I like Oregon. I mean, I, I don't think they're going to be a playoff team this year, but I think they can come in and pull an upset early in the year, don't you? I, I, I don't. Um, and my main reason behind that is you, they lost a starting center. They're going to replace him with the starting center from Notre Dame. I don't know how that's going to work out right. Um, 
your quarterback right now is either going to be the backup from last year or it's going to be the D2 from Eastern Washington. Vernon Adams was an excellent quarterback. Don't get me wrong for Eastern Washington, but Eastern Washington, you know, we're not talking about he was at Oregon State. Uh, Connor Cook's back from Michigan State. I think that's the main difference. Connor Cook's an excellent quarterback. He's going to be highly drafted as long as he doesn't completely flop this year and get injured. Uh, and I think Michigan State's actually going to be able to go ahead and get that W against Oregon. Right, I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go there and say I think they can. I think Michigan State has an excellent yeah. shot only because it's in East Lansing. Yeah, and and the revenge factor. Michigan State was in that game until, you know, late in the third, fourth quarter, and it, I just think they wore out early in the season. So they'll they'll be ready to prove a point. Again, they don't have to go out to Eugene. They're at home. This may surprise you. Tennessee is a three-point favorite at home over Oklahoma. Tennessee is getting a lot of love in the media, and deservingly so. I mean, they bring back their entire team, it seems like, and um, Dobbs with the quarterback, Blitz Jones making a statement in the bowl game against Iowa last year. What do you think about Tennessee favorite three early in the season against Oklahoma? Oklahoma seems to thrive in these kind of games. Those non-conference clashes against other power teams, they always seem to thrive in those. Some bowl seasons, yeah, they flounder most of the time. But they thrive early in the year against that. It's, it's going to be hard, especially with Trevor Knight coming back, especially with um, – you know, him having stiff competition for Michael Brewer to to really, you know, those are two excellent quarterbacks. I mean, Dobbs is, was an excellent quarterback for Tennessee last year, and I think Tennessee definitely could, could you know, shoot themselves up and be a contender in the SEC West as much of a mess as that is. But I, I don't know. It almost seems like that game has Oklahoma written all over it. Yeah, it's just – I want to see. This will be – this will be Tennessee's test to see if they're back. If they can win this game against Oklahoma, that'll give them a lot of momentum when they play Florida and teams like that that they should be able to go on the road and beat this year. If they lose this game against Oklahoma, I mean, where does Tennessee go? I know you can't just put it all on one game, but this is a huge measuring stick for this program, and I think it's a must-win for Tennessee. Oh, I agree. It's definitely a must-win for Tennessee. If they win that game, we just see Tennessee win eight, you know, not eight, nine, ten games this year. That's a huge, it's a huge confidence boost as you know, not you know, just being able to take down another power team. Um, if they lose that game, they might be in a six-win team all over again. So it's a huge must-win for Tennessee. If they win that game, we're talking about an SEC contender. Yeah, well, there's some other other points, but we won't go through all of them or anything. But you know, there's a there's a team out there, Phil still has, getting a lot of love, Jonathan, and a lot of people are on the bandwagon of Southern Cal. I don't know. I mean, they, they probably have the best quarterback in the Pac-12. Are you a believer in Sarkeesian and in Southern Cal? I mean, now that they're off probation, scholarship numbers are there, what do you think about their chances of winning the Pac-12 and actually being able to make it to the playoffs? Because I don't see them running the table. I just don't. USC recruits so well. I think Sarkeesian, uh, you know, I think he can definitely wipe the shit from where where it was um, because it was a mess. It definitely was a mess. Um, now that they're actually going to have a full allotment of scholarship players available, you got guys like Dory Jackson coming back who's going to be, you know, one heck of a playmaker for that squad. Um, you know, I, I, I could see 
USC doing doing some big things this year. I really could. Yeah, that's. Uh, it's just hard hard to say. Their quarterback. It's all about really the quarterback play and their talent level. Like you said, I mean, they get some of the best talent that that you can ever see. I mean, it's weird how the signing day they'll be in like twentieth place and all of a sudden they move up to top five in one afternoon because. They get those five stars. Let's run through Phil Steele. Give me your thoughts. Let's go through. Let's start with number. We'll go top fifteen since Auburn's fourteen, but they have he has UCLA fifteen, Auburn fourteen, mm-hmm. Wisconsin thirteen, Notre Dame twelve, Oregon eleven, LSU ten. Give me your thoughts about his top fifteen or his ten through fifteen right there. LSU, Oregon, Notre Dame, Wisconsin, Auburn, and UCLA. I'm not a believer in UCLA. Um, a lot of people were high on them last year. I wasn't. I wasn't believed in uh, the quarterback. I'm not a believe in that team now. I just. I just can't. I think the talent. I think there's some talent there. I think defensively, uh, they're going to be stout as far as the Pac-12 squad goes. It's. It's just hard for me to get behind that offense right now. Um, Auburn at 14. How about, how about, the, how about, how about the fight? How about the fight with the coach right there, P. Diddy, and and the strength coach for UCLA, will that have anything to do with the play on the field this year? It shouldn't. Uh, Diddy's kid is a special team, fringe special team at best. I mean, you know, they came out and said the only reason the kid got offered at UCLA was because of who his dad is. Um, they don't want to press charges. They, they, you know, this is the same strength coach that was with the Jets, obviously the one who tripped the Dolphins player on the sideline. So, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think that's going to affect anything. I just really, just don't think that team's really that good. I don't think they're there yet. I don't think they're a top fifteen team. Um, I think Auburn has five to the top ten. Notre Dame's going to, well, Wisconsin. I think Wisconsin could be a power. I think Wisconsin has established themselves as one of the big dogs in the Big Ten now. So as long as they continue to reload, that team's going to keep is going to keep getting there. It's just are they actually going to finally be able to break through? Uh, Notre Dame is an interesting team there because I, I think there's a, there's always a lot of talent at Notre Dame. It's just can Brian Kelly put it all together and put a good squad together and have them compete and win. We'll see it a lot this year. All their games are not to televised. So, I, you know, I, I don't know what to make of Notre Dame just yet. LSU's ranked too high. Drop them out. No, no, no bueno. They, they have no offense. And LSU's biggest problem is that they have so many underclassmen who declare. I mean, it's unreal. I've never seen a team that graduates so few seniors. Because every every <laughs> draft comes around, they got 15 kids bumping out as redshirt sophomores and juniors. Like, what are you doing, kids? Stay for another year so you don't get undrafted. They had three running backs come out one year, and not one of them got drafted. They're like, what are you doing? Yeah, I'm with you. And, and one thing people forget to talk about when they're talking about LSU this year is Chavis leaving to go to Texas A&M. That LSU defense was not good last year, and and now you lose the best thing about the defense. You lose that coach. How long is it going to take for them to to find a replacement, really, that can measure up to Chavis? Auburn, you saw them upgrade and get a huge shot in the arm with Will Muschamp, but losing Chavis and not really – replacing him with somebody is, is big, I think that could hurt LSU. And their offense is not good. Like you said, now with the, the defense giving up a lot of points last year, how do you put them in the top ten? I just don't get that. 
I don't get it either. Um, Chavis is an excellent defensive coordinator. There's no arguing that. You know, without Chavis, those Tennessee teams won't really, you know, the defensive side, without him, those Tennessee teams wouldn't have been that good. You know, he was a huge coordinator for them. When he went to LSU, that defense shot up. That was the best thing about LSU was that defense. And now they got a, you know, I don't know if they're relearning the whole new system, but, you know, some of the terminology is going to change. It's going to happen. You know, you're going to see some guys who are going to miss the time and to get confused, and there's going to be blown coverages. That first month is going to be a real, real test for LSU. If they can get to that first month defensively and not get exposed, I think that's a team that, you know, defensively will be able to compete. But their offense is just such a mess that that defense can get thrown out there so much. And, you know, it's a young team. It's going to be tough for them. It's going to be really, really tough for them to succeed this year. All right. We're having trouble with the chat room. I'm trying to bring that up. But, but yeah, I'm with you. LSU getting a little too much love. But, again, less miles. If, 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 you, if you ask, say, 10 smart LSU fans, do they like Les Miles as a coach? I guarantee you nine out of ten are going to tell you no, Jonathan. And it's, he's not a great head coach. I mean, he, I don't understand how he's won the way he has. He's had some very talented teams. Nick Saban left it stocked over there in Baton Rouge, and then the name carried on. But do you trust Les Miles to to be able to, to, to pull out a top ten this year? I know there's two or three games he's going to lose by coaching along. And there's going to be a couple of games he's going to lose because the other team's just better. And I think all of a sudden you have a, a seven and five season. That's where I, I that's where I envision LSU at this year. But that's the top ten through fifteen. Let's run through it real quick. Uh, let's do let's do five through nine. Number nine, Michigan State, uh, returning fourteen starters from last year's team. Florida State at eight. Stanford at seven. I kind of like Stanford right there. Georgia six. Baylor five. Jonathan. I think Michigan State's an excellent team. Ranking them in the top ten makes sense to me. They have excellent coaching. Um, they have a good quarterback coming back. You know, they always seem to get two and three star guys and turn them into first round picks. I they're, they're all that's Michigan State. They you know, I think that right there with Wisconsin, Ohio State, class of the Big Ten, no doubt about it. Florida State at number eight is interesting for me. As you know, I'm a diehard and old fan. Um, I think ranking them at eight, I'm okay with that. Uh, that doesn't bother me. You know, as long as you have a strength in the top 25, I'm not going to throw a fit. Um, our big question marks, obviously, are going to be the offensive line. You know, we, we're losing, you know, we lost four starters off the offensive line. Um, so we got Dalvin Cook coming back. The quarterback competition is going to be interesting to see if it's really going to be Sean McGuire or Everett Golson. Uh, you know, and you know, for everybody, you know, if you think about it, Goldson was a good quarterback at Notre Dame. He just tried too much. That's where all the turnovers came from. At least that's what I keep hearing from all my Notre Dame friends. Uh, defensively, Florida State is what it is. We got to be better than last year. Last year was a disaster. If we do not improve, we will have a new defensive coordinator halfway through the year. I guarantee you that. There's no way I'm letting, you know, that Jimbo's going to let Kelly hang around because us as a fan base, we're ready to string him up. Um. Who was seven again? Stanford. Seven was Stanford. Yep. Stanford, I, I didn't think Stanford was going to have a great year last year. And, and a couple people asked me why. I said this, this Stanford team smells of a seven-win team because they had a brutal, absolutely brutal schedule. Every tough game they had to go on the road for. 
and that was just miserable for them. A lot of young talent, a lot of it coming back. Stanford, I think, has a chance to be really good this year. They really do. Um, at number six with Georgia, it all comes down to quarterback play. Grayson Lambert can't step up like people are expecting him to. This is going to be another long year for Georgia, and it's going to be another year of fire Mark Rick, fire Mark Rick, fire Mark Rick, because they can't blame Bobo no more. He's out in Colorado State. Um, Baylor at number five is interesting, because, again, it all hinges on Seth Russell, their new quarterback. Now, Baylor obviously has great, great success. Art Browse done a great job with quarterbacks. He's almost like, you know, Mike Leach when he's at Texas Tech. And when Browse at Houston, how they can just plug in a new quarterback and go. I think Baylor is an extremely talented team. I think Baylor is going to have another excellent year. I think they are going to fight with TCU for that Big 12. There's no doubt about it. That's going to be a heavyweight showdown. Yeah, I look at this list. We just talked. I agree with Michigan State being where they are. That's exactly where I put them. Florida State. Yeah, I just wonder how they're going to be able to do without Winston. I think Clemson is a team that that should be in this top fifteen. I look for bigger things out of Clemson this year than what a lot of people think. Stanford. You know how how much I've been. I've been accused of being a Stanford hater. You know that, Jonathan. We've had many debates about Stanford. I thought they were overrated in years and, and I was correct. You were and then all of a sudden here they are. I think I think Stanford has a shot. I, I do. I think Stanford's a they've got some depth. They've got some experience with them now. I like Georgia. Let's get to them. I've been waiting to get to the Georgia Bulldogs. And you said it best. It's all about the quarterback. But, you know, they talk about the offensive line being good. They talk about Chubb. They talk about the defense improving under Pruitt, but I still can't get over Florida last year, the way Georgia came in, a big favorite, got 400 yards put on them running the ball against an inferior team that, that can't even score five points a game. Georgia's a team. Mark Rick, this is his year. If he does not win the SEC East and represent at the SEC championship game, he's going to be fired. There's, this is the year because if you look at it, Jonathan, the East should be – easy for the taking for them. Looking at their schedule, it's weak. They do play Alabama at home, and they do play Auburn on the road, but that's the only two West teams they play. And the rest of the game, South Carolina, uh, I just don't expect much out of them. Vanderbilt, Kentucky, Tennessee's improved, of course. That'll be a game they're going to have to win. Missouri, Georgia seems to, to own Missouri, really. So if they don't make it this year, Jonathan, when could they make it? I, that's a good question. I mean, how many years has Georgia been, you know, a top five team and completely floundered? I mean, we all remember the year where they were ranked number one and lost five games. So it's, for, you know, for Georgia, you know, you said, you said it great. You know, if they don't win SEC East, Mark Rick's gone. It's a shame to say that because being that, you know, he came from Florida State, I, I've always had high hopes for him. But it's just, it's hard. Because he just can't win over there. I don't. Uh, I don't understand it. I don't understand why he can't win. Why things just don't go right for him. But you know, it, it, it is what it is with Georgia. You know, if they can't get good quarterback play, ain't nothing going on there. Yeah. And and I don't care how good your running backs are. I don't. I don't care about your offensive line, your defense. If you don't have a quarterback, you don't have a shot. And Alabama last year showed that they had. Everything they had the running game, they had the offensive line, the defense was good. They had to, they had to take chances with their quarterback, and they had to 
to make plays happen. They had Amari Cooper, but if they just thought they were going to come in there and hand the ball off with no quarterback, they were not going to win as many games as they did. And Georgia's going to have to do the same thing. I don't know much about this transfer from Virginia. Maybe you being an ACC man, you could fill everyone in. How good is this guy? Is he capable of coming in, you know, and learning a new system all in just a few months and, and tackling the SEC? He was a highly touted uh, high school recruit. I mean, I, I want to say he was a four-star out of Georgia. Um, and, and when he went to Virginia, everybody was the whole, oh, look how Mike London can recruit. He's putting talent. This team's going to come together. And we've seen Virginia put some offensive linemen high in the draft lately. But here's the thing. Grayson Lambert struggled with basic, and I mean basic, decision-making at times. He looked he had happy feet in the pocket. He looked rushed. He looked hurried. He looked uncertain. And it led to him being turnover prone. He had 11 touchdowns and 10 interceptions. Well, at least he had more touchdowns than interceptions. But it, some of those interceptions were just bad. And every once in a while, you could fall into a touchdown. You know, and, and there was more drop picks than there were actual interceptions. And I think that was a bigger problem. Lambert, I, I you know I don't know, if, you know mentally he might be able to handle it. I'm not sure. I've never spoken with the kid. I've never had a conversation with the gauges intelligence. But what I do know is that at Virginia, he got benched halfway through last year for a kid who was a two-star recruit, who doesn't <laughs> necessarily have the same physical tools, but outplayed him not only in practice but on the field. And I think that's the more important thing here. So Georgia fans really need to hope they got good. Their backups are really good because I don't know if this Lambert kid, good kid's going to be able to handle the SEC. He couldn't handle playing Florida State. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree with you right there. And how bad – and this, these are Georgia fans that think they're smart. You don't go get a quarterback like that that was benched midway through the season for a two-star unless you're in desperate, desperate, desperate need. And that's Georgia right here. I mean, this, if he doesn't work out, this is a probably a four-loss, five-loss team. Remember, they have to play Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech's getting a lot better. I mean, they, they showed it last year. They thought Mississippi State in the bowl. They beat Georgia. A, a very tough team to prepare and play. So, you're going to have to score points when you're playing these teams. Defense can't win it anymore in any game in college. You can't just have a great defense and think you're just going to win all these games. Georgia's going to have to be able – to throw the football. Our Chubb's not – I don't care how good of a running back you are, Jonathan. If everybody knows you're running every play and you can't open that play action up, Nick Chubb's going to be just an average running back. And But I, I think they're going to have to – Georgia's always been able to, to play good with a tight end, to be able to play action with Bobo gone. I mean, how big is that? I know they got the – who's the coach that came in for the offensive coordinator, Schottenheimer? Is he as good a play caller as Bobo? I think he is. I think Schottenheimer is actually a good play call. He learned a lot from his daddy. Um, I think I think he's going to be able to call games for them, and I think he can be a big improvement for them because uh, he found ways to try and mask some of the deficiencies he had to deal with with teams like the Jets when they had Mark Sanchez. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how he's able to protect Lambert um, or whoever starts there. But being number six is criminally, you know, criminally overrated, you know, especially when – Clemson yeah. and Georgia Tech are easily top 15 teams. Clemson could, you know, with Deshaun, with a healthy Deshaun Watson, I believe is a top 10 team. They might not be the class in the ACC, but they are a top 10 team. 
Yep, I like Clemson just out of it at 17. I don't even think Georgia. Georgia Tech's at 30, which I think is is a shame in a way. But Baylor at number five. Look, I'm I'm not a big Baylor supporter. They they play nobody out of conference. They're rated like 60th strength of schedule, but they do have tough games on the road at Kansas State, Oklahoma State, and TCU. They do get to play Oklahoma and Texas at home. Uh, a new quarterback and everything in that game at TCU, I just don't think they win the Big 12. Uh, and I don't think that, obviously, two teams are not going to get in from the Big 12. And I, I don't know. Baylor, I think, is a little overrated right here. Losing losing uh, the quarterback, I just think they should be right outside the top ten. I just don't think five is just a good number for them right now. I like Baylor a lot. There's a lot of talent there. They've been able to recruit a lot, a lot more. I mean, considering Baylor 10 years ago couldn't win a conference game. Baylor five years ago was lucky to beat Iowa State. You know, now Baylor is, is really – they've become the class of the conference. Their game against TCU is going to be interesting. I, I, I don't see Baylor going, you know, 11-1, 12-0. I really do. That swing yeah. game between Baylor and TCU decides which one of those teams runs the table. And I just think, too, you can say that with confidence because the Big 12 is just not what it what it used to be. You have Oklahoma, hell, they're underdogs in Tennessee. Texas, we've seen what's happened with them. They may get better. But, I mean, really, the only game they should be an underdog in, Jonathan, is TCU on the road. So, if you're favoring 11 of your 12 games, I mean, I mean that's good. But I also look at the strength of the conference. Let's go through the top four real quick. Number four, Alabama from the SEC, Southern Cal in the Pac-12, TCU in the Big 12, and Ohio State, no doubt. No no surprise here, Ohio State, number one, returning all of their players just about all three of their quarterbacks, which, Jonathan, I think having three quarterbacks could cause some issues, especially after you get the exposure of winning a national championship. Now people's the egos are really on the line now. And then, you know, one of the best things I ever heard was if you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterback. But what about when you have three? You know, Braxton won games there. I honestly think Braxton's the worst quarterback out of the three. Um, either switch positions or transfers. You ain't playing quarterback this year, and you ain't playing quarterback at the NFL level. So I don't know what you what he's doing. JT Barrett got them to the Big Ten championship. Cardell won a championship. So it's definitely going to be hard to decide between JT and Cardell, who starts. But I think JT is a better quarterback, but Cardell showed a lot of talent. And it's going to be weird to say it, but he showed a lot of Tebow-esque talent to where he could tuck the ball and truck defenders. I mean, he's, all, he's bigger than most of your linebackers. So it's going to be interesting to see how that dynamic plays out and how quick is Urban Meyer going to be, how quick is his trigger. Is he going to be pulling guys out right away if they start to struggle? So that yep. actively that's a great problem. question. That's a great question. Is like now the and what, how are the fans going to be? Just say they start Barrett and he comes out and they're booing him. He doesn't do good, and all of a sudden they they throw Cardell in, put Barrett down. His confidence gets hurt. And and what if Cardell's not as good as as what he was at the end of the season? It's pressure to come in the way he did. But if you think about it, when he played Wisconsin, nobody was giving him a chance. So it's kind of like. You have nothing to lose. They they played Alabama. Nobody in the world, including me, gave him a chance to, to come in there and beat Nick Saban. He did that. And then all of a sudden they're playing in the national championship game. He wins that. I agree. Like, 
the one thing he has going for him, he's undefeated as a starter. He's won a championship for this team. Um, this is a tough, tough decision because I think, honestly, the best quarterback is, is Barrett, right? I mean, that, that's who I think is the best quarterback. Uh, yeah, I agree. J.C. Barrett is, I believe, clearly their best quarterback. You know, people are going to point to the Virginia Tech loss. He got better as the year went on. I mean, he, he, was a, he was a Heisman candidate towards the end of the year because of how well he was playing. So I don't want to hear about the Virginia Tech game. You know, Barrett should probably start coming out of camp. But, you know, just like we're saying, Barrett has one bad quarter. Does Urban go ahead and pull that trigger and sit him down for Cardell? And if, you know, Cardell comes out and has a bad second quarter, do you put Braxton in? And then what do you do? You're shooting everybody's confidence. I mean, it's, it's gonna, it, it could lead to a huge mess. Ohio State's ranked number one, but honestly, I could see them losing a the game this year and not winding up in the playoffs is what could happen because of the controversy that could happen at quarterback. So, so if they lose a game this year and win the Big Ten, do they make the playoffs? Oh, of course. There's no doubt about that. If they, can, if they lose a game and win the Big Ten, they, they definitely make the playoffs. You'll, you'd have to put them in. Um, listen listen but, to this, Jonathan. At Virginia Tech, this is September, Hawaii at home, Northern Illinois at home, Western Michigan at home, at Indiana, home against Maryland, home against Penn State, at Rutgers, home against Minnesota, at Illinois, home against Michigan State, and at Michigan. I mean, if you put Tennessee out of the SEC in that schedule, you put Clemson in that schedule, you put Georgia Tech in that schedule. Hey, I, I won't be honest with you. I think any of those teams could run the table with that sorry schedule. I mean, it's it's not fair to get to sit there and watch a team play nobody all year. So if they lose a game, and I, and I said this last year, they shouldn't have made it anyway, losing to Virginia Tech by 14 points at home. Now if they turn around and lose a game with this schedule, Jonathan, I just can't, I can't put them in that playoff because they, they haven't deserved it. They haven't earned it. But I think if they win the conference, they get that benefit of the doubt. Because if you remember last year, what was the big thing? The quality loss. Teams had quality losses. We, we, we fell into that point where we dignify loss of quality. Um, and I think let's say they lose to Michigan State, but they come back, they beat Michigan State in the Big Ten Championship. People are going to go ahead and give them that benefit of the doubt. Now, if they lose like Rutgers, Oh no no no! You cannot put them in. I don't care. I don't care if they smoke everybody by fifty points to get to win the conference. You lose the Rutgers, yeah. you ain't getting in that game. But because of the defending chance of returning so many starters, everything that's going on, if they lose like Michigan State or if they and they, if they lose to maybe let's say Virginia Tech because it's a road game, I think you almost you know a lot of people are going to get them to sit down unless you slide into the playoffs. Especially considering we don't know how the rest of the of, of you know the college football world is going to shape out. Yeah, and I, I think you're right about who you lose to, but but it's also you also who have you beaten? And if, even if they lose to Michigan State, they really haven't beaten anybody to 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 stand out. Where like Auburn, looking at their schedule, just say they'd lose early in the season at Baton Rouge by a field goal, and they went out. They're getting in because they have some quality wins. Yeah, the loss was I mean it was a loss, but it, they they can throw seven wins at it. But Ohio State, they lose to Michigan State. Who, what are they going to do, beat their chest and say they beat Indiana? That they beat Minnesota? That they beat – and Minnesota's a good team, but are they good enough to to be considered a, a quality win in November? Well, 
we'll have to watch. But but one thing I wanted to talk about, Jonathan, with Alabama in this right here, one thing they had going for them last year was their schedule. This year, the schedule is tougher. Alabama's lost a lot of talent off that team. I don't know if you've noticed that. They do have a good defensive line. The secondary is still going to have questions. Quarterback has questions. What do you think about the Alabama Crimson Tide this year? I think it's a fair ranking going off the past, what, eight years under Saban and how he's been able to perform and get this team to reload and everything. But you're right. They have a much tougher schedule this year. They have uncertainties at key positions. You know, they don't have star power uh, out wide to deal with Amari Cooper. So it's going to be tough, you know, unless, you know, Coker or Cornwell can really get that passing game going, Alabama's going to struggle. You know, and struggling with Alabama's losing three games now. So, I mean, they're going to have a little bit of a tough time. You know, Alabama, being at four, I understand it. But at the end of the day, I don't think Alabama's going to sink their way into the playoffs. I don't think that's going to happen this year. I think Alabama might find themselves on the outside looking in just because I think that that schedule is going to beat them up. I, I, I firmly believe right now, you know how good I've been in my early pre, early season predictions when it comes to certain games. I think Auburn's going to beat them in the Iron Bowl. I'll call it right now. I think Auburn's and, going to beat them. And you said it two years ago, too. You said it two years ago. I mean, I do. I firmly believe it. I think Auburn's going to beat them in the Iron Bowl. Just because I think Auburn already has a quarterback ready to go, ready to win. Well, let me look. Alabama this year, their schedule, Jonathan. Wisconsin, a neutral site, that's a tough game, no doubt about it. The road games, let's just dissect those a minute. At Georgia, um, not an easy game. At Texas A&M, we've seen Alabama struggle against teams that can pass the ball. And Texas A&M has probably the best receivers in the game of college football. And you know they're going to be able to score. Can they run the football? That'll be a question. At Mississippi State in November, Dan Mullen's one of the most underrated coaches in college football. By November, that team should be pretty good. And then they wrap up at Auburn. So there's one, two, three, four tough road games right there. Georgia, A&M, Mississippi State, Auburn. All West games, one East game and a neutral side against Wisconsin. Let's look at their home schedule. Middle Tennessee, we don't care. Ole Miss at home. Ole Miss has some talent on that team. They play Arkansas at home. Arkansas, who are they? We know that they can run the ball. They have their entire offense back. Tennessee comes into Tuscaloosa, and then LSU. So, I mean, that's a tough schedule, Jonathan. You look at it, it, it it's not as tough as Auburn's last year, but it's a, a very difficult task when you're fully loaded much less returning two offensive starters, no quarterback, and a defense that, that has struggled according to Nick Saban's standards. It's struggled over the last couple of years. Oh, exactly. It, it's a brutal, brutal, brutal schedule. They can lose two of those road games. Um, and, and, you know, and it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, it's going to be tough for Bam to, go, to, win, to win the SEC this year. They have the talent to do it. It's just can they actually go ahead and follow through and get it done. I'm going to be – if they can get it done, I'll be really – I mean, if they can get it done, I'll be really impressed. I will yeah. be, but I just don't think they can this year. Well, I think the SEC West is between Alabama and Auburn. I really do. I, I don't I don't think LSU, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Arkansas, A&M, I don't think they can win the SEC West. I think it's – Auburn, Alabama, and I think that I, that that Iron Bowl is going to determine it. The question is, 
is Auburn and Alabama good enough with their tough schedules? Both of them have real tough schedules. Are they good enough to be able to win the SEC with less than two losses? Because it does concern me. Say Alabama wins the SEC with that tough schedule, they have two losses. Do they get in? That, I mean, the way people are pushing down the SEC, we could have a two-loss champion. What if Georgia wins the SEC with two losses? That's where it's going to come down to. The SEC, to me this year, is just not as strong. They're, I mean, all around, it's, it's, a, it's a good conference, but that top power, name me a team right now that you could confidently say, Jonathan, is going to be in that SEC or be in the championship or the, the final four. You, you can look at Ohio State and I feel confident about it. I can think TCU and feel confident about it. Hell, I could even say Southern Cal and feel confident, confident they're going to win the Pac-12, but who do you really feel confident winning the SEC and representing in the final four? Uh, you know, you're right. It is tough. I mean, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to piggyback on Auburn this year. I really am. Uh, I think Muschamp's going to improve the defense. That's going to be my team I'm going to ride this year. It's going to be Auburn out of the SEC. Um, Alabama's going to give a run for the money. And Arkansas is going to shock some people this year. You know, I think that's definitely – I mean, they were one – they were one miscue away, or if, you know, you look at it from an Arkansas, you know, fan perspective, uh, one rest group away from taking down Bama last year. So I think that Arkansas team has a lot of talent. I think we could throw a monkey wrench in this whole this whole shebang um, yeah. by sneaking off an upset. And, and, and think, did you see the way they beat Ole Miss and LSU? I mean, I, I think they beat LSU, didn't they? No, they ran them yeah, to the ground. Yeah, and Ole Miss, they, they plummeted them. Auburn played Arkansas the first game, thank God, last year because <laughs> that mm-hmm. was a team that, that, I mean, I, I really think Brett Bielema is a very underrated coach. I don't like him. I wanted, I'm like Sonia. Sonia's the same thing that said, you know, I want him to come. He's cocky, come to the SEC and, and get welcomed in the right way. He did that. You know, he took that 0-8 SEC record. Last year he's building something. I mean, he's building something special at Arkansas. If they could ever get a quarterback, but I'll tell you this, Arkansas, Jonathan, they lost a lot on the defensive side of the ball. And I know people don't really think about that. They think of that running game and offensive line, which is there, but that defense was the reason they were right there with Alabama. That was the reason they were able to, to hold LSU and Ole Miss and teams like that. But uh, I don't know how far I'm going to put Arkansas up, you know, when, once we do our previews and everything. But I am an Arkansas fan, and that, that's a game that scares me looking at the Auburn schedule is that road trip to Arkansas. It's always a tough game, just like LSU is. For some reason, Arkansas has Auburn's number, especially in Fayetteville, and it's not easy. Let's flip over to the East real quick, Jonathan, and I know you're not an SEC guy, but I, I just want to know, who do you have winning the SEC if you had to pick today? Oh, now if I had to pick today, uh, I'm going to go with Georgia. Uh, you know, and I'm, I'm not a Georgia fan by any stretch of the imagination. I definitely want to put that out there. I do have a good friend who walked on special team catch and graduated from there. Um, his highlight was actually tackling Tyron Maffeo in the SEC championship game that they got blown out in by LSU. Um, but I think Georgia right now, I think they're just the most talented team on that half of the on uh, that half of the conference. Uh, Vanderbilt ain't going to be there. I don't think Missouri's going to get there. Florida's a joke. 
and I mean that more ways than one. They're a joke. Florida is a joke. That is a terrible, awful football team that's going to start way too many freshmen on the offensive line and get exposed early. Um, I think South Carolina is starting to crumble. It's going to come down to Georgia and Tennessee. And I think Georgia right now yep. is the more talented football team. I think that's, that's the SEC East team, and it's going to be a dogfight and a mess in that conference, though. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Georgia, Tennessee, those are the two. Those are, those are the only two teams I can see winning it, and the rest of them. And then Auburn and Alabama, those are the two teams that I can see actually winning a championship. You look at Arkansas. I'm about to bring Sonia on. She didn't press number one, I don't think, unless my computer's not seeing it. One thing real quick about Arkansas, Jonathan, that schedule's real, real tough. I don't see them winning the West, LSU, with their offensive struggles and quarterbacks. I don't see it. Mississippi State, they lost way too much on the defensive side of the ball. Ole Miss cannot run the football, and they have a new quarterback. So there's only four teams in the SEC. You can mark this down today. It's going to be Tennessee, Georgia, win the East, or Auburn, Alabama winning the West. Let me bring on Sonia Minson. Sonia, welcome back. How are you? Hey, guys. How are you? I'm I Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> I told you I'd be on tonight. I'm sorry. We we uh, if you were looking at my Facebook post earlier, you saw that Jason and I decided to try our hand at shepherd's pie tonight. So we were kind of busy with that. And then right when I was about to dial in, I've got the BET Awards on, and Diddy and the old school came on. So I had to check that out because you know I had to rag on him. I was well, I was well, waiting on him to come out. You know, I wanted somebody to come up on stage and yell "Go Trojans!" just to see what would happen. <laughs> <laughs> so how was, but, um, how was as far as what you guys were talking about? Did you save me enough? Did, I, I, I sure did. Pie. Was it good? Okay, oh yes, good. it was. I'm hungry. So good. I got you. You know I got you, bro. <laughs> right, but well, I wanted, what's going on? Jonathan is exactly right. I did hear him, um, and and you called it, Jonathan. I, I heard that I came in like on the last part. I heard you guys talking about Alabama, but then when I got online, I heard Jonathan. You were asking him who's going to be the best in the SEC East. And he's right. There's, it's like there's, it's wide open. But the only two teams <laughs> that you really need to pay attention to are Georgia and Tennessee. That's it. Yep. And right with us, Alabama and Auburn. So I, I totally agree with you guys. Sweet. Well, Sonia, it's it's just say Alabama, Auburn, Georgia, Tennessee. If there are SEC champions with two losses, just say. Do you think? you know, win the conference just like Ohio State did last year, is that going to be enough to to get one of them in that playoff? Because I think regardless, I think an SEC champion deserves to be in there as long as they don't have three losses. If they have three losses, I'm going to say no. But uh, two, I, I think they do. I think they do, and mainly because if you look at the schedules of, of all the other teams that you would consider the top ten or the ones that are competing for those top four spots, it's, it's kind of like, okay, wait a minute. Are you going to put uh, a Bama team or a, a, an Auburn – or you're going to dismiss an Auburn team or a Bama team that lost to, you know, another top tier or lost to each other, you know what I mean, or something like that, and one other loss over this team that beat, you know, Lee Hill Country High Junior College <laughs> <laughs> or whatever. I, I totally agree. There's no way. And, and as far as, like, people want to talk about the SEC is down and this team is down, no, we're not. It's just a new era. We've got to start looking at it. With Everybody's trying to look at the, at the college football playoffs last year. They were looking at it with BCSIs, and I think I said that numerous times. 
And I'm like, oh, you guys, you've got to stop looking at these playoffs like you're looking at the BCS. It's not the same thing. So you're going to see a lot more, uh, should I say, shakeups. That's probably the best word to use. A lot of people are going to be shaken up because you're going to see some teams. I mean, think about it. Who was thinking about Ohio State winning it all, let's say, the second ranking that came out? No. no. You know, nobody was thinking about Ohio State. And then the fact that they're going to go to every two weeks now instead of that, you know, every week thing, which I think is a great idea because I think people get too caught up in the rankings. That's going to be a big difference. So it's going to be any – honestly, it's just going to be open for anybody. As long as you come out there and you play hard each week and you win each game you're supposed to win and you win them decisively, I can't see how they can say that, okay, we're we're going to put this team ahead of the SEC champion. And I think this year they'll do a better job of now that we've seen it. You remember we we never we've never seen this committee. And one thing we talked about, Sonia, you know, going through week to week last year. Hey, these right now really mean nothing because you can't factor in a conference championship yet. The only way right. you can truly put a team like Baylor TCU is after you saw who won a or Ohio State who did they win the conference championship. So this year. I think people won't be as surprised as what happened. But before we go, I have both of you here. I want to ask about a topic that's been on my mind. I saw it this week, and and I just want to hear your thoughts, the pros and cons. You know, Jonathan said it best earlier. He said a lot of, like, three LSU players, running backs, went at one time, you know, left early, didn't even get drafted. Now they're sitting here with no education. They're sitting here with no money. What do you all think about they, they they pass a rule, and I'll start with you, Sonia, where these kids, they go, they, they declare for the NFL underclassmen, they go to the combine, they, they get the advice, hey, you're not going to be drafted. What do you think about them being allowed to come back to school? I, I just I want your thoughts on that. It's so funny that you said that. Jason just walked down here, and we discussed that. We were discussing that. We were watching the NBA draft, weren't we? We were talking about that. And, and you kind of, it's like, you want to tell these kids when they declare, no, you you are not ready, okay? <laughs> you, I know you might think you are, but you are not ready. Um, I don't know. It's 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 kind of like a catch twenty two because if you let them come back, okay, do you give them a spot back on the roster? You get to you know, do they have to start all over again? Are they exempt from playing? Are they just coming back for their education? I think you would have to put some guidelines in place or either kids would just go and if they don't, you know, don't get drafted, oh, I can just go back. Great you know? point. Marvin. Hey, yes, sir. Welcome. Uh, Compare it to hockey. In hockey, they can get drafted out of high school and they let them still play for their college or in the Canadian League until they're ready. And what you saw in the NBA this year, you saw a lot of Europeans drafted, but they're keeping them over in Europe to keep practicing. They're not ready for the NBA. So, I mean, I like how hockey does it. Yeah, they get drafted. But, see, that's the thing. With so much money involved now, and, you know, it's already money in recruiting and, and you know, these rumors and this and that and the COI and all this BS that comes up. I just think that if they were going to to allow them to come back, they would have to set some guidelines and set some sort of, you know, some sort of criteria so kids don't just say, okay, I'm going to declare for the draft. Oh, I didn't make it. Okay, I can just go back and better myself and, you know, try next year. Well, no, you should have just stayed your butt in school. (laughs) 
You should have never declared. Yep. Stay your butt in school because that lets me know you're just in it. You're not in it for an education. You're in it to get to that next level. You should be in it for both, not just one well, or the other. Well, Sonia, you know, we have National Signing Day in February. What does that do? Say, say you know, I know 10, 10 of my players are declaring for the draft, so I'm going to sign you know, the exact number I need. Okay, you have a full roster. All of a sudden, five of those ten come back and say, hey, we didn't get drafted. We want a spot. What are you going to do? Just cut a scholarship from one of these kids that that earned it, they're freshmen, and I, I think right. it could cause some problems. But I just think these kids get such – sometimes oh, they yeah. listen to the wrong people. And, and my, my God, Darvin Adams for Auburn. You remember after they won the championship, this guy's a junior – and, you know, he caught a few good passes, but he wasn't an NFL receiver. He had a chance to come back another year and polish himself up. He doesn't even get drafted. He, he He's on the scrimmage team, practice team sometimes. But, Jonathan, what what do you think would be the the way to fix this where some of these kids, you know, just because they declare and they go work out at the combine, that they could still come back maybe and, and play that final year of college? Well, I know the NCAA just and the NBA came there to collaborate and created the rule to where they're, you know, they're looking at implementing it for next season to where a kid can leave early, go to the combine, work out for a team, get told, look, realistically, this is where your slot is. You're, uh, you know, in the NBA, only 60 picks, so you're a 20 to 30 kid or you're a 50 to undrafted kid. You know, either, hey, you know, there's a good chance or a bad chance you can get, you know, uh, how it's going to go. I, you know, they, I don't know if the case even worked out fully. I haven't seen it yet to worry about allowing the kids back like Sonia brought up. That's a very, that's an excellent point. How do you work with that? Because you kind of jack up recruiting. I mean, basketball, they're done with their signing team with signing kids essentially by New Year's. So these kids declare the drafts in June. What are you going to do? Yeah, Because they're planning on kids leaving essentially. So it, it, for football, it's definitely interesting. I think it would be a great idea. Because you see it time and time again where a kid comes out and everybody does the stop and go, you should probably go back. Well, I need well, I need the money. That's fine. You're not going to get drafted. You should probably go back. Well, I already signed an agent. So what What this rule is, though, what it's going to do is it's going to teach kids, don't sign an agent right out the gate. That's, A, the worst decision you can probably make. Yep. All right. Agents are leeches. That's hey, all they are. They're leeches. They're blood-sucking leeches. They're just trying to get money off you. Okay? No, I mean, that's all they're going to do. The so more kids that don't get agents is better. Ben Dogra. Yeah. He's a perfect <laughs> example. And Jonathan, keep preaching. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> I mean, Preacher you know, and brother. Jason's right. The way hockey does it is an excellent way of doing it. Where you go ahead and you draft a kid, and, you know, you see it a lot with the later picture, second Sometimes with second-round picks, but mostly you give third through seventh-round picks. So when they draft the kid and they tell them, look, go ahead and spend an extra year in college. You already got your contract. Don't worry about that. Go spend an extra year in college. Physically mature. Mentally mature. Perfect your craft a little more, and we're going to bring you along. Now, the big difference is the NHL has a minor league system. They're able to go ahead and tell those kids to do that, and if they're in college, you still have the choice of bringing them up or sending them down to ECHL or a league of that caliber. Whereas the NFL and the NBA, the problem really is they don't have a system like that set in place. So I don't know if you could go ahead and sign a kid and tell them to hang on for a year. We got you, especially in the NFL where so much money is being exchanged with first-round picks. 
you know, yep. you know, we talk about how the money was dialed back. We're still talking about $25 million being given to the number one pick. That's a lot of money to just sit there and say, it's you know, it's okay to spend another year. Especially since hockey is a very violent sport, but they're a different breed than football players. Hockey players can puncture a lung and still play. Football yep. player punctures a lung. We're, back, we're lucky if he's back next year in, in two years. You know, I've seen that firsthand happen with the Boston Bruins when they played the Hawks for the, for the Stanley Cup. So it's going to be very, very, very difficult to be able to allow these kids from signing an agent, the first thing they want to do, to let them go out. Because the NBA says you can't sign an agent if you're going to go back. And even with the, even college football, kids can leave and come back. They can't sign an agent. And then they got to do the whole community service thing and da-da-da for all the school. I mean, it's rough. We still we saw it happen at USC with a couple of the receivers that they went yeah. to do. So it's just going to be really tough to try and implement this and legislate it because of the way agents are and how they can get so sneaky and, and, and come in and sneak up on a kid and go ahead and give him to sign that piece of paper. Or his family does a forum. I've heard stories about that happening. With a lot of these seniors don't even realize their parents already signed them an agent. So I'd love to see it happen because it needs to happen, but I don't know if you could actually do it and it'd be a perfect system because there's too yeah, much money being exchanged for it to be. Yeah, but Sonia, you know, just think if a kid does leave and he comes back, maybe – Okay, one of the one of the deals. Okay, you, you screwed up, kid, but now you can walk on. You're not going to have a scholarship. You can come back and play and earn your way back, kind of like you said earlier. And we're not going to be able to give you a scholarship because of our limit. Or maybe maybe it could even be if you have enough room available, then they could come back. If not, they're SOL. But I, I don't know how you could manage this because of the mm-hmm. number, the strict the strict policy of how many scholarships you can have. Exactly, it's that, and then it's also because <clears throat> Jonathan, when he broke it down, and and by the way, Jonathan, I got to give you, I'm, I'm raising my hands in the air, <laughs> like I'm in church, because when you were talking about the agents, you were preaching, because we saw that with AP and his agent Bendagra. I mean, I think everybody saw that fiasco and that soap opera, and those in the know, like us, were sitting back like, dude, <laughs> this is not going to work, you know. So the Mm -hmm. part about the agents is is very, very true. But you also have to look at the schools because when you look at a school like Alabama who's got the money, uh, Tennessee who's got the money, Auburn who's got the money, you know, these these are schools that their their football teams make money, okay? They make money for the school. They're always in the black. They're always going to make money. So when you bring that into it and you're looking at a a school like – let me see. Uh, what's a good lower tier school, baby? Minnesota. Oh, well, yeah, Minnesota. But Minnesota's got money, though. <laughs> but mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? It's like when you're looking Northern at... Illinois. Yeah, something like that. When you're looking at some of these smaller schools who don't really have a lot of draft picks, okay, it might not affect them that much. Because think about it. Okay, out of ten seniors, you might have one. You know, you might have five declare for the draft and only one that really has the possibility of getting drafted. So that coach is thinking in the back of his mind, okay, these guys will probably be back, so they're going to address their recruiting, blah, blah, blah. There's just too many, just too many things. I think we've all said that, too many variables. You would have to do just, it would just be ridiculous. I think it would just be so, they would have to legislate it so much they would over-legislate it, and there would be so many special cases that it would just be impossible to sit here and set one standard. 
Yeah, and and here's what my advice I would give these kids is, you know, I was I was eighteen, nineteen too. I remember, you know, it's not the you don't think as clearly as a as a male at that age. Listen to your parents, and you know, you know if your parents really have your back or not. Listen to people you trust around you because I'll tell you this: a lot of people, I scratch my head and wonder why they left early before the draft, and then they don't get drafted. So if I know you're not going to get drafted. Why do you think you're going to get drafted? So know your really ability. Talk to the right people and know unless you're going to be a first-round pick, really, it's not, there's no use to, to leave early, especially if you can improve your, you know, your draft stock the next year, maybe get up to one. But if you're a one, two, maybe. But if you're a third or fourth round, that means there's a good chance that you may not even get drafted at all. So I think a lot of these kids, just either either they can't make the grade they don't want to, they're too lazy to study, and they're just taking a chance. I don't know what it is, but I don't think it's going to change, guys. After all of our discussion tonight, there's no way to work this out. I mean, I don't, not, I don't think there is. You brought up a good. You bring up a good point too, Tarvin. It's also the fact when you look at some of these. I wish there was a way because we've got the combine, but I wish there was some way between the combine and, and after the season, like somewhere in that time period, where all the ones that are not considered, you know, even if you just brought in all of them and have them realistically evaluated as far as, okay, yeah, you should go to the combine. You know you should go back. You know what I mean? Even before they take that next step, if there was some kind of way to bring in some some, some NFL you know, scouts or coaches or whatever, and tell these guys realistically, not as, not, not as if they're trying to grade them or evaluate them to draft them, but just grade them and evaluate them as far as if you're ready to play on the professional level yet. It would be nice yeah. to have something like that. Well, awesome. they kind of do. I mean, they, they, have, they have the whole process before a kid declares, and the problem with the middle schools, like you mentioned, like your Alabama's or Florida State, is that, you know, your Ohio State, at the end of the day, they're playing in such late bowl games that the declared deadline is usually a couple of days, a week, maybe a week and a half after the championship game. So it's tough for your top tier underclassmen to make a sound decision because they're, they're, they're rushed. But they do have the, the draft board that a coach is, the coach sends out, sends it back to the player, look, you're slotted to be picked from the third to the fifth round. You know, and usually what they tell them, at least you know, from from my, my knowledge of this, what they tell them is if you're not the if you're not graded by the draft board to go, to be a first or second round pick, go back to school. Not if you know, not yeah. you know, third round picks, all of them go back. A lot of these kids just don't listen because all they see is they dollar li- signs. They need to listen. I'll give you I'll give you examples, Tanya and Jonathan and Jason. Casanova McKenzie for Auburn and Chris Frost were juniors this year for Auburn linebackers, and they were almost ready to pull the trigger to go until, you know, Will Muschamp came out and told them, and a couple of players said, look, you know, I don't, I've watched you play, I've watched your film, you're not ready yet, you're wasting your time. And I was even thinking, guys, please don't go waste a, a year of your life because you're not going to get drafted. They decided to come back, and I guarantee you, working with Will Muschamp that senior year, they're going to be probably in the top three rounds of being drafted. But, Sonia, had they not listened to their coaches, and, and that's another point, can you trust your, your head coach or your coaches to give you the right advice? Because 
a lot of coaches are in it for themselves. They know if they win more games, they make more money, they look better. Are they going to really push you out the door? I mean, that, 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 that's a concern, too. I know, I know Saban does. I know Saban's honest with his kids and tells them, look, you're either ready or you're not. I don't think he lies, but there's some coaches out there that would definitely oh, yeah. lie to their own players. That's true. Jason, hey, hey Tarvin, here's an idea. You want to get paid straight out of high school, go play in the CFL. Yeah. Go go play in the yeah. CFL. I mean, mm. look look at it in the draft. Didn't this kid out of Texas, instead of going to play for SMU, he went and played for China. He got paid, mm-hmm. went and played for China, got drafted, now he's in the NBA. Yep, that's true. You want to get paid out of high school in football? Go play in the CFL. But, yeah, uh, the I, don't, CFL I don't think they look at him like that. The ones who are only in it for the money. That's what he's like. He's like, yeah. if you're not going to okay. college and education, and, you know, and also to get your chance, and if you're just in it for the money, okay, forget college. Just go to the CFL and make your money then. And, and there's your minor league, and guess what? It'll make the CFL product that much better. If I'm not mistaken, though, the CFL has the same age guidelines, just like arena football does. They make you wait for three years because they want to try well, and limit it. I didn't know that. Well, change it. Change it. Make it. It's already a freaking elite. So, freaking change it. I think at this point, we we can all agree that there is no one right answer. There's whatever they come up with. It's gonna have pros and cons, and you're gonna have your naysayers and your your proponents of it. But mm-hmm. either way, there's always going to be that one, two, three, twelve special situations. You know. Yeah. Well, just like the playoffs. Yep, there you go. <laughs> or, 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 or how about this? Just say if you if you're told like this, just for instance, say Jeremy Johnson's a junior this year, and he's told, okay, you're going to be in the top two rounds. You got experts saying that you have it documented. If you do not get drafted in the first two rounds for some reason, just say it just happened, then you're able to come back. So, but if he, you know, I, I just think if you're that good of a player and you're leaving because of injury concerns, things like that, and you're and you know, and people have you pegged to be that good to be a first or second rounder, and you don't, then you should come back. If you leave, and you, and you may not even be drafted, then that's on you, dude. You just left. You dug. You dug your grave. There it is. But, exactly. but there is no perfect way. There is no perfect way in in a game like college football to do it. But I mean, things are going to change, guys. We're going to have the early signing period. I don't know when, but it's going to happen. I mean, there's going to there's going to be a lot of changes to college football. Oh yeah, there's too much money involved. Too much money involved. And and last question, guys. Last question. What do you think about the playoffs being December 31st now? That pisses me off so much. Sonia, what oh. do you think? Go ahead, Jonathan. I'll let you go first since I went first the last time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, it aggravates me to no end. It's an absolute joke. Uh, you know, the playoff, look, in a perfect world, your playoff should be the the second, you know, your your championships, whatever, 10 days before. Because the championship now is what, like January 10th is that going to be a championship game. So January 1st, you should have the playoff game. Uh, they need to be January bowl games. To have them on December 31st is a slap in the face just, for the longest time before we even got to the PCS, and, you know, let's just go, let's go that far back. It was January bowl game. That was your goal. 
Now you're going to tell me December 31st is my goal. We're just going to start changing the rules as we're going just because we don't want to upset the NFL. That's what it is at the end of the day. Every yep. year the NFL is going to have that Sunday New Year's. Oh, we don't – you know why? You know why the NFL is so strict about it? Because they know they'll get outdrawn. It's a big thing right here. The NFL knows college football will outdraw them and doesn't want, to, doesn't want that conflict. It's an absolute joke that the NFL is that afraid of it. That's why I believe Roxy does a terrible commissioner. Because if he was really for the interest of the game, he'd let college football do it and just have them both. Because it'd be a full day of football. Everybody would be happy. He'd flip it all over the place trying to catch the game. Mm-hmm. That's what would happen at the end of the day. You'd have great ratings no matter what. I'm, I'm with Jonathan. I co-signed in triplicate because it pissed us off. <laughs> Yeah, thank God we're about to have to to shut it off. But I'll tell you this, people on December 31st, you know, everybody loves their college football. But, you know, I know people like to go out uh, on New Year's Eve. They like to, you know, spend time with family. They want to do things. And somebody like me, I have to work year end. Big for me. So as big as a college football fan as I am, I may have to find another job by December 31st because (laughs) I will not be there December 31st. So, if my team's in it. I mean, if, they, if they're not, then I'll just have to deal with it. But I like to go to games. If Auburn miraculously made a Final Four this year, I'm going. If I can, if I can afford it, or at least I want to watch it. But, I mean, I just think it's stupid to change January 1st. I remember how excited I was this past year to be able to watch Bama, Ohio State at night, um, Florida State and Oregon in the afternoon of a New Year's Day. I mean, New Year's Day, that, that brought me back to the days where bowl games mattered. Again, yep. now all of a sudden I got to I got to see two phenomenal football games, and then some other games in between. So I I think it's stupid. I don't know, guys, but we're gonna have to cut the show at ten o'clock. Thank y'all for calling in and joining us. We'll be back on maybe this week. I'll have to I have to look at the schedule and see, but definitely next Sunday at eight thirty p.m. Eastern. And Sonia, I'll talk to you shortly. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, y'all have a good one. Thanks for joining. Did a good job, Jonathan. <laughs> Thank you, Sonia. Y'all have a good one. All right, you All right. too. See y'all. All right, bye-bye. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.